I'm excited. Today we're starting a new sermon series. And it's a sermon series that, that I've probably been preparing for since I was a little boy. Because when I was a little boy growing up in England, we used to have this little comic called the Beano. Did anyone hear of the Beano? It doesn't really translate quite as well. Beano is some medicine right now over here. But this was a comic. And you could join the Beano Club. And they would give you this little wallet with this little membership card in that said that you were an agent of the Beano magazine. And it was so cool. And so little me loved being in this agency. And at every opportunity, apart from when the cool kids were around, because I realized it was kind of nerdy, I would pull out my little wallet and say, halt, in the name of Beano. <laughs> I've always been attracted to being in an agency. Tomorrow, myself and four other pastors in our city are being commissioned as chaplains within the police department here in Castleberry. And if I wasn't a pastor, I'd probably be a, a policeman because I like being a part of an agency. And I was so excited when, you know, this opportunity came. We've been through hours and hours of training. We're kind of ready to go. And I was really excited. I went to the, the, the police station yesterday, said, we got some stuff to give you as you walk into this role. And I'm like, man, how cool would it be if they gave me a badge? <laughs> that would just be so cool. You know, part of me thought, you know, useful for the, for the tickets. Right, Jeff? <laughs> Maybe useful with the kids when they weren't doing their homework. You know, they're not too familiar with all the laws and stuff and what have you. Um, and so I got there. I'm ready to receive this badge. And they said, here's your T-shirt. I'm like, well, that's cool, too. <laughs> but I wanted to be in an agency. A few months ago, I led a conference for some folks in Seminole County. And one of our speakers was a lady called Michelle Rigby Assad. And she worked in the CIA. And she was telling stories about what she did in Iraq and Afghanistan with her husband, who's also in the CIA. I'm like, man, this is awesome. This, your life reminds me of some of my favorite TV shows and some of my favorite movies. And she told her story. And it grabbed me because she was part of this incredible agency, Right? And so I sat down with her after and said, keep telling me stories. I love this stuff. And she said, let me tell you the, the rest of the story because I wasn't just in the CIA. While I was in the CIA, I was in another agency too. I said, really, what's that? Tell me, is this some super secret thing that no one knows about and I can be cool because I'm like in the end now? And she said, no, 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 no. She said, I'm in God's agency. And she wrote this book about her stuff in the CIA and how God used all that stuff she learned there to become a servant in God's agency. And so she had like 15 years in the CIA. And for the last 10 years or so, she's been going overseas using that CIA uh, training to rescue persecuted Christians from these lands. And I'm like, that's... That's really cool. You know, it was fun being in the Beano Club. I'm really excited to serve in the, in the Castleberry Police Department. The CIA, man, that's super cool. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Homeland fan, although don't, don't hold that against me, but, you know, some of it's kind of poor stuff, right? <laughs> right? But when she said, I shouldn't do that because I hurt my leg playing kickball yesterday. 
<laughs> Neil, don't you try that, okay? After all your big kicks yesterday. But when she said she was in God's agency, it just reminded me that what we are about and what we do and what we're a part of is something infinitely more important than that other stuff. You know, a lot of people talk about being in God's army and that's got a bad rap because of the crusades, as it should. But the reality is we are God's agents. He is our king. He calls us to establish this incredible kingdom of love in a world where that love is in short supply. Michelle Assad is going to come and speak to us in a few weeks with her husband who was a persecuted Christian in Egypt before he got out. I really want to uh, encourage you to come because her story is incredible. But as we prepare, I want you to realize, too, that we are all part of an agency. And so I'm going to call this series, and what I'm going to talk about from Scripture over the next few weeks, is not so secret service. We are part of a not so secret service. The problem is that we think as followers of Jesus that we are part of a secret service. And so often what we do, this message of life and hope and freedom and heaven and love and grace and power and truth is a secret. And in fact, we are such undercover agents that very often a lot of people don't recognize or don't know who we're working for. And so I want to read and study and share today from one of the leaders in God's agency, the Apostle Paul, who called himself a soldier for Christ. And I read a few verses that come at the end of Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 24. If you have your Bible, your phone, your tablet, whatever you use to study Scripture, turn to Colossians 1, starting at 24. Because Paul reminds us that we are part of a not-so-secret service. And he talks about what it means to be in service. He talks about this secret that has been revealed. And then he talks about the strategy that we are to adopt as we follow him and dispense his love in this world. Colossians 1, 24. Paul says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. As Paul writes this, he's actually a prisoner of war. He's in prison. 
because he's been proclaiming this message as God's agent a little bit too loudly. And it's been starting to mess with people and it's been starting to mess with the secret quo, that secret quo, status quo. Get my secrets and my status here. That's, I'm messed up. And so he's in jail. And he starts off by saying, but I'm glad I'm here. Some versions of scripture say that he is rejoicing that he is here. And you think, well, how can he rejoice when he's in such a dark place for all the wrong reasons? He's able to rejoice because he's a servant of the ultimate commander. Rejoicing isn't this, in this moment isn't just a choice for Paul. It's the only thing he can do. Because he is so compelled and so excited and so passionate about what he has been commissioned to do that even if he's in jail, that doesn't need to deter him from it. He still gets to serve Jesus even in jail. He says, I'm rejoicing because I get to serve in this thing called church. This vessel, this body, this agency that God has commissioned to spread his love, to spread his news around the world. Now, Paul, as he writes, is a leader within the church. He's writing here to a church from a position of authority. But he says, my authority within this organization, within this agency called the church, is as a leader because I am a servant. Not so secret service. The first thing we need to understand is if we're part of this agency, our role is as a servant within this service. He's saying my job is to lead and to shape, to guide and to release. But the best way that I get to do that is as a servant. I'm suffering, but that's okay because I'm serving. It is a prerequisite of all those who sign up to follow Jesus, who become a part of this agency, this glorious kingdom, that our default is to serve. When we see a problem, we say, how do I serve? When we see a crisis, we say, how can I serve? When we see someone who's been rejected and kicked to the side of the roads of society, we see them and we say, how can I serve? Because serving is the best conduit for love. 
Last night we had a little conflict in the uh, back area that I oversee with Orlando City. And we had one guy who was in charge, but knew he was in charge and thought he was super in charge. And we had another group who were empowered to do a job, and they were doing it just as they'd been empowered to do, and these two groups clashed. And so one guy, my friend over here, starts to kind of stand up a little bit taller because he's on... He's power trip. And the people on the other side, they stand a little bit taller too because they don't like the fact that he's taller than them and he's getting his power trip, so they want to overpower him. And they get taller and taller and taller, and the conflict gets louder and louder and louder. And I come into this, and I'm kind of like mid-level, and I say, hey, what's, what's going on? And I listen, and I said, hey, you need to serve them, and you need to serve them. And just like that, the whole conflict de-escalated. Because that's what happened when we serve, right? There is not a healthy relationship on the planet that revolves around selfishness. Every healthy relationship on the planet is healthy because service and being a servant and submitting to one another, as Paul talks about, is what makes relationships work. As a part of this agency, the church, that God has given to change the world, in this not-so-secret service, we have to act like servants. It's so easy to power up, right? It's so easy to try and get our own way, to fight for our own thing. Some people have made a, a living out of putting themselves first. But you can't make a life until you put others first. We're part of this not-so-secret Service and as that service, we must act as servants, right? Secondly, Paul goes on, verse 26. He said, This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know the riches and glory of Christ are for you, Gentiles, too. And this is the secret, he says. Christ is living in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. Other versions more succinctly say, Christ in you is the hope of glory. That is the revealed secret of the gospel. If you will, that's the declassified secret of the gospel. Because before Jesus, the secret of how to get to God was unknown and unaccessible by all. But because we have this need inside of us to try and find God, we invited, invented this thing called religion. 
The word mystery as it's used here that Paul uses talks about secret rituals and secret initiations. And what Paul is talking about is how for hundreds and thousands of years, humanity tried to come up with all these ways, these very religious ways to get to know God. If we do this thing, if we make this sacrifice, if we pray this prayer, if we use this secret handshake, if we speak this this different kind of language, maybe then we can get to know God for hundreds and thousands of years. And still today, people are using this mysterious, religious, superstitious, ritualistic way to try and find God. And it didn't work, and it hasn't worked, and it won't work. And so what Paul is saying here to the Gentiles, who are very different from the Jews, God's chosen people, and to Gnostics, who like Jenny said last week, knew God with their head, but didn't know him in person, What he's saying is this mystery that you have been fighting for, you've been trying to figure out, is now declassified. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. It is cults who have initiation ceremonies and ritualistic rites of passage and say you've got to act this way to belong. But by declassifying this information, Paul is saying, not so with you, the church. You, You don't need any rituals. You don't need any initiation. You don't need any secret handshakes. You don't need any of that religious stuff because the mystery is not in that. It's in him. He's declassifying this mystery that humanity had been grappling to try and understand. He said, it's not in the stuff, it's in Jesus. This is the secret. This is the mystery that is revealed. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's saying, if you want to know God, if you want to go to heaven, then Jesus Christ needs to be in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In to much. You can know him today. You ask him, he'll come in. You knock on the door, he opens it. Because he comes in. We're part of this not-so-secret service. We act as servants, but our secret has been declassified. You don't have to be good enough. Your your goodness doesn't have to outweigh your sinfulness. It's Jesus. He's the only way. He's the only one. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If we want to be part of this not-so-secret service, we need to be servants, but we can only be servants if we understand and acknowledge and see how great is our King. 
The secret has been revealed. Since we're not going to keep it among a few, we're not going to protect it among some of those who are in the inn. No, 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 it's for Gentiles. It's for, for the Gnostics. It's for, for those who, who don't look like us, who don't feel like us, who think differently for us. We're part of this not-so-secret service. we servants, but the not-so-secret is that, that it's all about Jesus. I told you a couple of weeks ago that I was meeting with uh, an atheist. In fact, the very atheist who had uh, put together some lawsuits against us and some of the organizations that we work with. Man, was I, I nervous going into that meeting and weighing my words very, very carefully. But we had a great conversation. I would go as far as to say that, that we put in place the foundation of a friendship. We, we, we disagree on about 99% of, of things. But it doesn't stop me loving him. But as I'm walking away from that conversation, I'm thinking, that was interesting. And I'm trying to draw some of the, the differences and some of the things that didn't quite connect. And I realized that one of the things that didn't connect was that he, as an atheist, didn't want his atheism to define him. And he was looking for all kind of other things to define him. But he didn't want to be defined by what he didn't believe. And I walked away realizing that I, as a follower of Jesus, as someone part of God's agency, needed to be defined by him. The one who doesn't believe in God doesn't want to be believed, defined by what they don't believe, right? Makes sense. But our constant call as Christians is to be defined by the one that we follow, Jesus, right? The mystery has been declassified. It's not about all this stuff. It's about Jesus Christ in us. The hope of glory. Hope for us. Hope for our communities. Hope for our city. Hope for the world. We're part of this not so secret service. It's a service because we're servants. And it's not, and it's not so secret because it's all about Jesus. And it's not about some hidden secret way. It's about him. We're part of the not so secret service. We're servants. We follow Jesus. But as we serve and as we follow Jesus, there is a strategy that we follow as well. This strategy probably won't surprise you. It's not a military playbook. It's not a list of do's or don'ts. It's simply a command to follow. Some of you have been in the military and you may be familiar with this term, commander's intent. And often this little phrase is written at the top of uh, strategy and briefing documents about how to fight a battle or how to interrogate an enemy or something like that. And the idea is that you will walk through these strategies and they may take you nowhere. Or you may be in a situation where none of these strategies work. And so in those situations, you just default 
to the commander's intent. Our first strategy, not our backup plan, is to default to our commander's intent because we are servants of Christ and therefore we default to his intent. Verse 28, Paul says, so we tell others about Christ. Other versions of the scripture say, he's the one that we proclaim. He's saying he's our strategy. That's really all we've got. Got a phone call the other day from someone who had a great strategy from another state to influence our city for, for Jesus. And he had it all planned out and he knew exactly what he wanted me and the other churches to do. And he said, that's great. That's your strategy. It, it might work, but, but here on the ground, we're just trying to follow our commander's intent. I was listening to a podcast at the gym the other day by uh, Tim Ferriss. Anyone heard of Tim Ferriss? He's an entrepreneur, very bright guy. And on his podcast, uh, he had Katie Couric. You know Katie Couric. And Tim Ferriss has written his book called Tribe of Mentors. He's spoken to about a thousand people and just asked them profound questions and had them answer them. And so he asked Katie Couric, if you were given all the billboards in a city for one week, what would you want that billboard to say? And she thought about it, and you could hear the awkward pause on the podcast. And as that awkward pause is going on, you know, you're thinking, you're probably thinking it now, right? What would I put on a billboard? <laughs> and she thought about it, and she said, go vote. <laughs> and I'm like, voting's a great thing. What a gift. Right? That we live a part, as part of a democracy. It's, it's not a bad thing. If everybody voted, we'd, we'd have a much better understanding of what's going on and perhaps where people wanted to go. But everybody voting isn't going to change the world because that's centered in us. You know, if Paul had a billboard, you know what it would say? It would say, Jesus. And follow Jesus. Act like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Because here he's saying that our strategy is Jesus. We're part of this not so secret service. It's a service because we're servants. It's not so secret because Jesus undid all the, the mess of religion. And invites us into a relationship where he is our hope, the hope of glory. But he's also our strategy. Paul wraps up and says, that's why I work and struggle so hard. Better translation of this is that he strenuously contends. And the metaphor here is of an athlete 
who is disciplining every part of his body, every part of his mind, every part of his life to give the very best of who he is for this cause that consumes him. We are servants in this not-so-secret service. Our strategy is Jesus. And because he's our strategy, the best thing that we can do is to surrender to him and let him lead. But surrendering to him and letting him lead does not let us off the hook. We must discipline ourselves. We must strenuously contend to love as well as we can, to serve as well as we can, to give as much as we can, to do all that we can so that we can expand this glorious kingdom agency that we're a part of. One other thing. That's why I strenuously contend, he says in 29, But I'm not strenuously contending. I'm not depending on my own power. I'm depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. And he's saying again, it's all about Jesus. We are servants of Jesus. Because Jesus has revealed the mystery. The strategy as God's agents is Jesus. And we give all we have to Jesus, but then ultimately it's Jesus' power that works through us. A couple of weeks ago we celebrated Easter And all the events of that incredible weekend that that changed the world. But that same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us. And that's what Paul is affirming here. I contend not in my own strength, but in Christ's strength. So what I want to say to you, those of us who follow Jesus, we are agents in this not-so-secret service. We're servants of Jesus. The secret has been declassified as Jesus. And Jesus himself, his way, his life, his love, his example is the strategy for us. We're part of a not-so-secret service. We don't get a little membership card that we can flash and say, Halt! (laughs) But we do have more power than we realize. We have within us as Christ works through us, because Christ in us is the hope of glory. A power greater than any power 
of the badge or the gun or the tongue. We have the power of the risen Christ at work within us. As we wrap up this passage in first uh, in Colossians, the question is, have I signed on for this not so secret service? Am I serving well in this not-so-secret service? Is the message that I proclaim not-so-secret? And am I trusting Jesus as my primary strategy for whatever life throws at me?